y'all, it's Lady T and I am excited because the weather is finally consistently warming up to like the mid 60s to mid 70s type of weather. I mean, all that rain, wind, hail and all that stuff in the high 40s and low 50s type of weather just, it, <laughs> it just wasn't it. I mean, I wanted my sunshine. Well, we're finally starting to get it. My plants are oh so happy. We can finally start putting our winter coats away and enjoy this weather a little bit. Thank goodness. It just, I'm not just, mm -mm. And it was the perfect weather to send my daughter off to her prom. Like I said before, she wasn't really interested in going, but her best friends convinced her to go. And I'm glad they did. Because for the vast majority, you only get to go once. Like you only get that one shot. And who knows whether or not you'll regret it in the future not going. But let's not take that chance, right? So we did the shopping, got her a dress and the shoes to match. Thank goodness she prefers a life of simplicity because it only took two stores to find that dress and shoes. Then the day of, got her hair did and she was prom ready. Sent her off to the prom to hang out with her, you know, a few of her best friends and that she's known since elementary school. You guys, my baby is all grown up. She's not my baby no more. Oh no, you know what? She'll always be my baby. Uh-uh. She could be 50 years old. She'll still be my baby. I think I might cry her entire graduation, y'all. I don't know. I might get really emotional. And she's gonna graduate with a B plus average. I told her when she first started high school, you only get one chance at this. You don't get to start high school over. So no matter what avenue you take after high school, make absolutely sure to maintain a minimum of 3.0. A 3.2 would be even better because a 3.2 will get you some of those, I don't know, B-listed colleges to look at you for a possible scholarship, like maybe a partial scholarship or something, especially if you're not an athlete or anything. But what I basically told her was to maintain a minimum of 3.0. You only have one job and that job <laughs> is to maintain a minimum of 3.0. And she did that. She has, I believe, like a 3.2, 3.3 or something like that. And the only reason why it's that low is because, I mean, well, she kind of struggled during that one year of being remote, but she recovered from that and got to completely enjoy her senior year. I mean, she's able to go to prom and attend an in-person graduation, you know? Just in time. I understand what we're dealing with a pandemic. I do take it seriously. But I also believe that the shutdowns created an increase of anxiety, stress, and depression. Depression, um, depression among adults in the US tripled in the early 2020 months of the pandemic. It went from 8.5% to 27.8%. New research from the Boston University School of Public Health reveals that the elevated rate of depression has persisted in 2021 and even worsened, climbing to 32.8%, affecting one in every three adults. During that pandemic, while I was dealing with my digestive issues, I had to watch my mental health closely. What saved me was I decided to seek mental health therapy every week since September, 2020. It wasn't just about the pandemic and my physical health though. It was also about past traumas as well. I think that is what actually kept me sane throughout that pandemic. Moving out of the city also did well for me mentally. I feel so much more at peace in the country than I did in the city, but that's just me personally. But not only did I have to watch my mental state, I had to closely watch my teen daughter's mental health too. I mean, she was not able to go out and be a normal teen. 
the shutdowns happened right before her 16th birthday. This is around the time when, you know, you're supposed to transition into adulthood, learn how to drive, start earning a paycheck and all that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of that abruptly stopped. And honestly, and she'll even admit, there were some moments where she did in fact check out mentally. I mean, she wasn't depressed or anything, but she wasn't motivated either. There was, there, like there were no, it wasn't, there wasn't a routine or not really much to look forward to. I had the hard job as a parent to keep on her about school and washing her hair. She wasn't taking care of her hair. It was so bad that it got matted up all the way. Like it got really matted up to a point where we actually had to cut the whole thing off for real. In no, uh, no, I think it was November, somewhere in like November or December of 2020, we cut it all the way off down to an inch. I mean, she was totally okay with it. I mean, it's not like she was out hanging out with friends or anything for a while. And, she, you know, her hair grows really, really fast. So she just, she was okay with starting over. It only took four months for her hair to grow back to just above her neck. But back to the point. Mental health needs to be addressed, but I really do feel like it's more on an individual basis and not a one-size-fits-all type of thing. I also think that the way women handle mental health is different from the way men men, uh, handle mental health. I spoke about it when I had a podcast back in December, and um, I had some men speak about men's mental health, almost kind of like a roundtable, and I felt like that was a great discussion that needed to be had. I want to introduce you to my next guest. I feel like this next guest is perfect to have on the show because of how passionate he is about the effects of mental health, Asante Cleveland. Asante, thank you so much for being on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Terelia. Thank you so much for having me. Right, thanks for coming on to the show. So tell tell us a little bit about yourself. So um, I grew up playing football. Uh, I went to University of Miami on a football scholarship. It's uh, interesting to hear your uh, you talk about your daughter, how she had to maintain that that uh, B plus or that 3.0 average so that she can be considered for schools because I was hovering around that 3.0, but I definitely wouldn't have been able to get into as many schools as I had had I not been an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I played in the NFL for four years after college um, I was with the 49ers the Patriots and the Chargers and my last year in the league I suffered a knee injury that effectively ended my career when I went to go resign with uh, the Patriots their doctors wouldn't clear me so then it was on me to kind of figure out the rest of my life all at once um, it was 2018 I didn't really know what I wanted to do post football I thought I wanted to do radio Um, but I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would have. And then, so I was really struggling to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I went through, like most athletes, uh, a serious depression, like an identity crisis, just struggling to figure out who I was going to be without football. And so as the pandemic rolled around, it gave me opportunity to one, address past traumas that I've been kind of putting off in the background for a long time. And then two, I started to write and just think about what I went through growing up as a child um, and just wanted to really address my mental health and get into a good spot where I could confident, confidently feel like 
I could make this transition um, post football and find something I was passionate about. Mm-hmm. So from there, I am getting ready to put out my first book. Um, it's called Working Through the Dark, uh, mm-hmm. but it's really talking about my uh, journey growing up as a child, dealing with child abuse, and how uh, how I was still able to like find success through sports and the things I learned along the way. And I wanted to write this because during the pandemic, when the lockdowns happened, like you mentioned, it was right before your daughter's birthday. It was also right before my birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And once that lockdowns happened, it just made me think about like if I was a kid again in this situation, and if I'm in an abusive I household, yeah, if I, if I was in an abusive household, trapped, I wasn't able to go to school, I wasn't able to hang with friends, I wasn't able to play sports, like how scary that would be for me. So I just wanted to really reflect and share my story to share that regardless of what you've gone through what you're going through you can still find success and you can still learn how to navigate the path forward and be whoever you want to be Mm -hmm. so when exactly did you become a huge advocate of mental health i know you spoke your story but like when was like that moment where you're like you know what i need to we need to you you, do you understand a question yeah yeah. so it was probably around like 2019 when I first started going to therapy and I had some other teammates who were retiring and I saw how they were struggling in their own right Mm -hmm. you would you would like I would just DM someone like oh hey how are you doing and their response was like I was just trying to figure out life Mm -hmm. but I knew all of the subtext like I was able to read between the lines based off what I had been going through prior and so seeing how big of an issue it was I really wanted to one help athletes deal with it because uh, a lot of the times we're thought of as like superhuman strength we can handle anything um, but at the end of the day we're all human we're all struggling with uh, anxieties we all have worries we're all trying to figure it out and I, I just saw how much it was bottled up and I just wanted to begin to encourage my my fellow athletes friends to like speak up like talk about where you're going through like seek therapy if you can but one just don't keep it all bottled up inside mm-hmm. now i'm i heard you know uh, the one thing that i commonly hear um it kind of struck me when doug baldwin um said some of the same things you said where, you know, basically his career was over and he went through, you know, state of depression because he didn't know what else to do with his life. All he ever knew his whole entire life is football, right? And so that brings me to this question. Um, Why do you think pro athletes go through that? I don't know if you want to call it identity crisis and depression. And what do you think needs to happen to try and prevent it? Well, I think the biggest reason is that for the majority of their life, they found success, fulfillment uh, through their their sport, through they, I, we received scholarships because of how good we were at our sport. We mm-hmm. received more attention based off how good we were at our sport. And then once that's over, uh, you don't know 
that like you're kind of just cast aside and there's no um, you don't know where else you would get validation uh, since your whole identity has been wrapped up in what you did athletically and then also a huge part of it which I realized was um, one like you you lose your identity but two there's a lack of community once you're no longer playing anymore oh yeah oh I could see that for the better yeah so for the better part of your life also you were always around teammates you were always around coaches uh you were told where to be when to be there you didn't really have to think about too much uh like you knew what you were going to wear for the day all the time so once that's gone now you're no longer around the teammates you're no longer just hanging out in the locker room you no longer have coaches telling you what to do where to be and you have all this free time unstructured and you really don't know what to do with it because you've never had that kind of time Mm. So, so it's I, yeah. like so it's about the brotherhood and camaraderie. Um, it's lacking that camaraderie, basically. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Once once that community is gone, it's really tough to find support because there's not a lot of just regular people walking around every day that really understand what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, as a professional athlete, there's a very few like people that fit into that group. And if most of your, like for me, it was tough to talk about because a lot of my friends were still playing. And Mm -hmm. so they didn't know what I was going through. And I didn't really want to, I didn't know how to talk to them about it because as an athlete, you can't really think about the end. Um, Because you have to stay focused on like trying to make the next, the roster the next year, trying to get another contract. Uh, it's always just about moving forward and no one really talks about the end but very few athletes are able to basically retire or ride off into the sunset on their own accord like me I left because I had a knee injury but that's that's not uncommon for um, an athlete to have to retire based off an injury and since it comes so abrupt it's also a shock to the system mm-hmm Right. When it's just cut off and almost, you know, I hate to uh, compare, uh, compare it to like my daughter that I was talking about earlier, where, you know, people are like, what was going on with the, the, the kids and stuff like that? I'm like, well, because their life was cut off, uh, not in their control. Mm-hmm. Basically, everything shut down. OK, there's no school. Hooray. But then everything else is shut down, too. You know, they, they can't say, hey, let's go hang out because their friends have to stay home because some of them live with grandmas. Mm-hmm. You know, so their lives were cut off. And the way, the best way I can explain it to certain people is there's no structure. They've been, we've been told our whole lives. And that's what happens kind of sort of when you graduate, which is why people kind of push you, hey, go to college. You know, my daughter wants to take a gap year. And people are like, oh no. And I'm like, no, she needs to find her life. She needs to find her way. She's going to go back to school, but she needs to find her way. But anyway, we've been told our whole lives since daycare. Since we were toddlers, we wake up at a certain time. We take a nap at a certain time. We have lunch at a certain time. You have to go to this class. You have to go to that class. Your your whole entire life has been structured and yet it just abruptly stops. So that's why she kind of checked out. She didn't get necessarily depressed, but she checked out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I'm yeah, kinda, sure. I, I hate to compare it, but I kind of understood it from that perspective. Yeah, it's it's huge when you now have to fill your schedule 
when that hasn't really that's never really been your job that's really tough mm. wow yeah so one of the 20 tips that you had um, that helped you in your 20s is to find your creative outlet I can relate to that so much because I've mentioned to people that what has steered me onto the road of positivity is doing things that allowed me to be creative, like cooking. I love to cook. Cooking is creative to me. Gardening is creative to me. Flipping houses is creative to me. Do you have any creative outlets? Yes. Uh, For me, it started off as um, when the pandemic started, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. I was Yeah, me just, too, right? Because I was also <laughs> West African dancing. That's creative to me, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, so I I hadn't really found a creative outlet since I'd retired yet. And mm-hmm. pandemic happened and I ordered an Apple pencil. I had an iPad, but I was like, you know what? I just want to start drawing. Mm-hmm. And that began to like really get me back into drawing because I used to do it a lot when I was a kid. But once I started playing sports, I I didn't really do it as much anymore. So I reconnected to drawing. And then also what came from that was then I wanted to learn uh, graphic design. So I wanted to learn how to use Photoshop. And I think like learning like that creative outlet then being mixed with learning a new skill really helped keep me engaged during the pandemic, during all the lulls. And um, that was so helpful. So drawing, and then I found that I had a passion for writing. It was a way for me to express myself. It was a way for me to process like maybe stories and instances that happened in my life that hadn't given enough thought to. So writing and drawing have been uh, really big for like my creative outlets. Is that the the book that you're coming out with? Is that what it entails? Yeah, so the book was originally just like a personal essay that I started. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, mm-hmm. do, I really just wanted to like, just, I had this, like what had happened when I was a kid and I had never just sat down and just talked mm. about it and just like really thought it through of like what happened, what I had to do to get out of that situation. So I wrote it out. And then during the pandemic, I was just trying to figure out uh, new things I could do since um, before the pandemic started, I thought I wanted to start a speaking career and then the whole world shuts down. So (laughs) I (laughs) kind of ruled that out for a bit. And so um, I got one of my mentors, he introduced me to this guy, Jordan, who had written a book and he was a social worker and he like dealt with kids who have been in uh, like difficult family situations. And I shared a little bit about myself and I shared the essay that I wrote and he was like, yeah, like let's write this book. And so that's where it started, but it was because I had already started writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of felt the part where you said something about your childhood and stuff, because uh, one of the things that people don't seem to understand is sometimes when you're able to slow down, and I think, you know what, come to think of it, I think that has a lot to do with why depression raised. It's not just the anxiety about COVID or anything like that. I think a lot of it, and this is my personal uh, you know, feeling on this, is that when the, when the world shut down, 
even though I kind of sort of think it is a good thing for people who are who know what to do with it, but a lot of us don't really know what to do with it. We always keep ourselves busy. I yeah. certainly was. I was always on the go. And when you're always on um, on the go, and if you're always busy, you don't have time to sit and think <laughs> and reflect. So now here we are thinking and reflecting, and we have a lot more time to think about our lives. You know, and I think yeah. a lot of the depression went up from 8.5 to pretty much one out of every three adults is because people slow down and they actually have time to be what I like to call it, just be. And I guess some people don't like just to be, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. A lot of people had to, for the first time, really just sit with themselves and Mm -hmm. just slow down and Fortunately for me, when mm-hmm. I retired in 2018, I basically was isolating myself anyway. So I had been through that. And like, I feel like my, like a lot of athletes, like my depression was one situational through not having like the sport anymore. But then also I had to just sit with myself because I didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. And so that's what brought up a lot of um, like things about the past and and encouraged me to start going to therapy in 2019. Mm -hmm. But when the pandemic happened again, I was already more comfortable just kind of sitting with myself and sitting with those thoughts. But Mm -hmm. it's so important for us to take time and reflect. It's like you mentioned, it's just our culture to be busy, busy, busy. It's it's wasting time to look back, always have to Mm -hmm. move forward. But if you don't look if you don't take time to look back you may not realize how much things that you're still dragging with you from the past Mm. that are slowing you down from moving forward faster Mm -hmm. exactly exactly that's what i keep trying to tell people and when people when i you know tell people about that they're like "Uh, i don't know if i'm ready to face and i'm just like you already facing it it's just subconscious yes yes like those traumas that you were talking about, it, 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 the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you uh, interact with people, the way you uh, approach relationships, everything is subconscious. You just don't know it. So even when I went to, and, I, and you know, I tell, I've actually taught people in on this show, there's a difference between mental health therapy and a counselor, because I've done both. I had the counselor at first. So when the pandemic hit, I was already seeking counseling. I wanted something deeper. So I started seeing a mental health therapist and it gets deep, Asante. It gets deep. Mm-hmm. Like that stuff gets pulled out of your subconscious. Things that I've done suppressed and forgot about, it comes out. And when it comes out and you put the, you know, uh, uh, the elephant up from underneath the rug, people don't really understand that when you, when that stuff gets revealed and brought out of the subconscious, that grass really is much more greener on the other side. And I don't understand why people are have a fear of confronting those demons. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's so important to address it. And like one, to bring awareness to it. Like for me, I dealt with like physical child abuse, uh, physical abuse when I was a child and as I started to go through therapy, I was realizing in so many situations how I was still showing up as a scared 11-year-old boy. Yep. And 
I had no awareness to it. And so once I was able to like really observe that, I had the, the decision to like, do I want to keep showing up like this or do I want to find ways to let it go? And I think it, I read this book, The Body Keeps Score, which is a great book for anyone who has gone through trauma or just, it's just a great book to read in general. But it, traumatic events have a funny way of keeping you stuck in that moment. Ooh. And so when situations arise that are kind of similar, it brings you right back to that moment. And a lot of like, like I was, a lot of us are still scared and stuck in whatever age they were. Like we have people in their 40s, 50s, 60s that are still showing up as 10, oh 11, gosh. 12 year old kids. Oh my gosh. We could talk about this for hours. Oh yeah. <laughs> But we won't do that for the sake of time. For the in sake my, of time. yeah, and in my case, it was severe mental abuse. Mm. And Man. you know, I'm not. I don't like to compare struggles or anything. But I almost would have rather been physically abused. Yeah. Because mental abuse, you know, the the bruises will heal. You know what I mean? Scars will heal. And I'm not, you know, saying that physical abuse doesn't lead to mental abuse. Um, everybody is, you know, different in the way that it is handled. But mental abuse, it stays with you. You really start to believe that abuser. Yeah. You know? And so they actually, you know what? I, I remember years on years ago, I was watching this case where uh, it was something on TV where a kid shot his dad. Mm. And uh, the reason why the kid shot his dad is because his stepmom told him to. Wow. She had been mentally abusing him for years, grooming him. And then one day she said, your father has brain cancer or something like that. You need to put him out of his misery. And of course, the kid was like, no, I can't do that. But then she was like, what kind of a son are you? You're gonna you're gonna really let your dad suffer like this? You're a terrible human being. So guess what the kid did? Got the shotgun, shot his dad in the head. The dad never had cancer, by the way. Man. Mm -hmm. It gets deep. It really does. Yeah, that is that's crazy. But yeah, like, whew. yeah, a lot of us have gone through so so many different kinds of trauma throughout our lives and I think it's natural to want to just try to forget about it and not really address it and the longer you do that the more it just builds up and it seeps into like you mentioned it seeps into your relationships how you interact with people how your your ability to build new relationships and it's until you start really addressing it head on it's going to be tough to find that freedom and that peace that we all are desperately seeking, but it is the peace you're seeking is sitting behind the things you don't want to talk about. Ooh, that is a word. I've actually mentioned that in my show, uh, Mental Health. I said to people, that whole, I've moved on from that stuff. I've, uh, you know, forget about it and all that stuff. Just don't talk about it. Just don't think about it or whatever it is. It doesn't 
work. It doesn't work. It's always in the subconscious. It doesn't work. Face it head on. And then also, you know, sometimes, you know, when you untangle the root, you know, get through the root of the, get to the root of the problem and you bring it out to the forefront, you're no longer triggered. You know, people say, I'm not, yes, you you may be subconsciously triggered, you know? So it doesn't trigger you like it does in the past. It may still sting a little bit, but you're able to sit there and be like, you know what? I'm upset about that. I, I felt some kind of way about that, but not say it in a way where it's like, you know, because we know how to express anger, but yes. we don't know how to express disappointment or that bothered me. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And the it's it's not like an all at once thing that like you talk about it one time and you're, you're healed, but it's a process. And the sooner you start that process, the sooner the healing can, can begin. And mm-hmm. For me, like, it was hard for me to really talk about child abuse four years ago. And over time, I've been more comfortable to, one, I started to talk about it with my therapist, and then opening up with it about, or with friends that are um, in my inner circle. Yep. To the point where now I'm writing a book about it. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, it's, a, it's a process, but the healing can't begin until you start to do work. Exactly. And you mentioned something about being stuck at a certain place. I felt that so much because I was stuck at the age of 15. Mm. I was stuck there. In in particular, a certain situation, which I will not, you know, talk about it here. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was stuck at the age of 15. So it really does happen. Yeah. Yeah. And you say something about putting in the work. Um, I wasn't sure whether or not I wanted to ask you that question, but you, since you mentioned it, <laughs> yeah. Um, putting in the work, I, I can't tell you how many times I preach to people, put in the work. And, but see, I, the problem that I'm having is that we're living in a, a in an age, the, the microwave age. Uh, where people just have, they want the instant results. Yes. And um, I kind of struggle with this microwave age that we're living in because I believe wholeheartedly in putting in the work that I'm still a work in progress. And I think I always will be a work in progress. I've been seeing mental health therapy every single week, most every single week since September of 2020. And then I was actually seeking counseling one and a half years before that. I'm putting in the work. And what I find is that people don't want to work. Yeah. It's it's so important. What is that? Yeah, like people want the body sculpted in a certain way, but they don't want to put in the work. People want to heal from, you know, their their diseases or whatever it is, but they don't want to put in the work. 100%. You know, and I try not to get frustrated by it, but I'm just like, what is, I'm trying to figure out the psychology behind all of this. I'm... (laughs) We, we want things to be easy. We always seek comfort. We don't 
want to be uncomfortable and working like anything that involves work is to a certain point it's uncomfortable and so a lot of people may shy away from that but it's like you don't see results the results you only see are through consistent work like these people on instagram with these crazy abs even though they're selling you this six minute ab, ab program it took them mm-hmm. a lot longer than six minutes to build that it took them years of discipline to get to a point where they could uh, uh, show off like that. But just like everything, like it takes work. It's it's not an overnight process. It is constantly going back and rehashing things and and like just learning from the situation and just being consistent with trying to get a little better every day. And that's that's all it really is. It's really just trying to get a little better every single day. And you do that by just doing the best you can in the moment. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I think it was Usain Bolt that mentioned something about putting in the work. I mean, after he retired, um, he said he didn't become the fastest man on the planet naturally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he put in the work. He yeah. put in the work. All we see is that 10 seconds or eight or nine seconds, you know, when he runs that 100 or the 200. That's all we see. But we don't see, this is what he says, we don't see the time, energy, blood, sweat, tears that he put into to being one of the, like pretty much arguably the greatest runner of all time. Yeah. So, I mean... You had to put in the work, but like people don't become football players because they were just, I mean, some are naturally gifted, but that they put in the work. You could be as naturally gifted as you want to, but you have to put in the work. You have to go through football camps as a kid. You go through, what do you guys call it? Pop Warner? Yeah. A lot of people did Pop Warner. Um, So for sports, there are people who are naturally gifted, like maybe in like middle school, high school, naturally gifted that they can earn a scholarship. But in order to find success at another level, you have to be willing to work because I've seen a lot of people who were insanely talented athletes, but didn't work hard. They didn't find success at the next level and were never able to go to the NFL, go to the NBA. Though they had the talent, they didn't have the work ethic that they needed to make it. Mm Mm-hmm. I've even seen some exceptional athletes uh, have so much expectations like put on them and they mentally check out because of the pressure. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, man, you had the talents to be number one prospect. You were a number one prospect for X, Y, Z and one, two, three. And you just decided to go and go out and drink and live your life because you just had so many expectations put on you and you just could you just folded from the you just folded from the pressure um yeah. I've, seen, I've seen so many things i mean I'm, i i don't think i've seen it all but i've just you know i don't know like growing yeah, up in inner city i guess yeah you see a lot of those those situations play out and it's it's tough but I mean, it's on the part, like, it just comes back to 
what are you willing to work for? What are you willing to struggle for to get to where you want? Mm-hmm. Get to where, where you want to be, to do what you want to do. Like, if you, like for sports, like you want to go play professional, are you willing to stay in tonight? Are you willing to go to bed early, wake up early, get in an extra workout to get there? If mm-hmm. you want peace within your relationships, are you willing to have the tough conversations with people you haven't had yet? Are you willing to go to therapy? Are you willing, like, are you willing to do what it takes to get to where you say you want to be? Mm. Exactly. That's exactly what I tell people when they say, how did you look? I lost 120 pounds. And when people are like, how did you, thank you. Thank you. And when people are like, how did you do that? I'm like, you're not going to like the answer. Mm -hmm. You're not going to like it. I mean, I, I pretty much just, and none of it in, had anything to do with going into the gym. I mean, yes, I went to the gym to do West African dancing and all that stuff, um, but I didn't necessarily have to, you know, lift weights. If you want to lift weights and do cardio and all that stuff, that's for muscle building. That's for endurance. That's for endorphins. But my, my weight, for the most part, was lost because I stopped eating that crap. Yep. I stopped drinking. I wasn't a heavy drinker. I was a social drinking, uh, a social drinker, and I would have me a tequila silver or something like that. But I stopped drinking. You know, I, I was never a smoker, but I stopped drinking. I stopped. You know, I started seek. Oh, and you know what? Mental health therapy actually is a huge bulk of that. Yep. A lot it of people don't realize how much stress right. weight they carry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, so, I, I went through, I had mm-hmm. to, like when I first retired, I was like 275 pounds, which mm-hmm. is good for football. But if you're, if I'm, since I'm no longer playing football, it made no sense for me to be that heavy anymore. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that I really had to like focus on when I was, I was really in and out of depression, like struggling to get out of bed. And if I did get out of bed, it was just to go to the couch and play video games. I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything. But mm-hmm. once I was able to get my mind to be like, all right, I want to get to my body to where I feel confident, where I look like how I want to look like again. Mm-hmm. Um, not based off a goal weight that a coach has given me. This is what right. I want to look like. And so once I really put that into focus, um, I started to like, I started to feel better about myself. Like I noticed like the depression was, even if I did have like did a depression that day, as long as I felt like I accomplished a goal, like I, I went to the gym, I did some sort of workout, then I I could check something off the box. Uh, but then also I stopped drinking. Mm. Yeah, I was like, again, I was never a heavy drinker. Right. I, I saw how it would affect my ability to work out. And so that's yep. when I had to sacrifice. Like it wasn't even a sacrifice. It was just a decision I had to make. Like is drinking worth uh me being more upset or more depressed with myself uh no so i need to cut that out right and a lot of people don't realize that alcohol actually slows your body's ability down to metabolize and then Mm -hmm. it also affects your liver which is your detox system so it's really the drinking it wasn't necessarily well i had digestive issues so i had to get rid of the alcohol just because i didn't know what was wrong with me but as I went along, I'm just like, do I really need to drink some alcohol? Somebody actually asked me the other day, you don't drink? And I'm just like, 
no, I'm sorry. Is so, is there something wrong with that? Like, why do we have to drink? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you, well, so what do you do for fun? I'm like, are you serious? Travel, gardening, talking with my peoples. Um, like, there's plenty of things. I mean, I can actually be the life of the party without drinking. I, I'm sorry. I didn't know we had to yes. drink in order to have fun. But that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. I'm just like, as a holistic nutritionist. Well, actually, can I ask you this real quick? As a holistic yeah. nutritionist myself, um, what do you eat on a typical day? I'm just curious. Um, so I will, for breakfast, I'll either have like oatmeal or some toast. And then um, maybe like chicken and rice is like my staple dinner. Mm -hmm. Chicken, rice, and peas. And Ooh, like recently, I've, <laughs> I've recently switched it to like quinoa chicken and yes. like broccoli. Yes. Um, so I'm like, I'm now don't get it twisted. I will oh. eat. I, I eat some good stuff too. I will throw down some pizza and all that stuff. Oh, but I just had me a week. vegan. Oh, are you kidding me? I just had me a whole vegan, small vegan pizza from Ma Pizza. It was gluten free and everything. But I'm like, hey, listen, nobody said that you had to eat like perfect all mm -hmm. the time. You have to enjoy something. And not that I don't enjoy healthy food, because I know how to make my healthy food taste good and enjoy it, you know? Yeah. So uh, I, my stomach literally growled when you said quinoa and broccoli. And I don't eat chicken. Um, the only thing I eat non-vegan is wild-caught salmon. And that's because I, okay. where, yeah, where I live. Uh, but I, my stomach started growling because I was just like, oh my God, yes. Yes, I was starting getting a foodgasm. So anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, so that's been, like this year I've been more focused on like my health um, with what I eat because I, I have the workout piece down, but I, I do know that I have been lacking in like what in my diet and like what I actually eat. So I've been more conscious about trying to put better foods in my body. I do the, the green uh, powder smoothie in the morning to like the superfood smoothie just so mm -hmm. um, I get some good nutrients in. But yeah, so that's been a focus of this year. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned the green peas because uh, that's actually one of the foods that I eat a lot of because, you know, as someone who does eat primarily plant based, those green peas are underrated. I used to hate green peas, but I love me some green peas, especially with some quinoa. Oh, my goodness gracious. I don't know. It just meshes well. And it has yeah. that iron, that protein. It's got that potassium, the zinc and stuff like that, because a lot of vegans, they, you know, lack a lot of zinc. And so... It's that it's a, such an underrated. That's why I have sugar snap peas growing in my backyard, because it's just something that is just it just goes so well with a lot, especially with carrots and stuff like that. Peas and carrots. So yeah, that's and you know actually I wanted to mention this earlier, but um, in terms of women, I'm not really sure why we. I don't. I blame social media a lot. We could blame social media for a lot of things, but uh, something that is really mind-boggling to me is all these body contouring that we are doing to ourselves you know the bbls and you know mm -hmm. i can understand the breast lift but there's nothing that's gonna that can happen to me outside of maybe a car accident Ooh, i shouldn't put that in the off um, <laughs> yeah um that is gonna make me go under the knife because even if i 
look at, you know, be like, hmm, I do have a little bit of, because I, you know, when you lose 120 pounds, you're going to have a little bit of loose skin. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am on this holistic journey to do everything as natural as possible so I can teach others how to do it. You know what I mean? Because I think a large part of the reason why women are doing these things is because we don't know anything else to do. If I didn't have the education that I have, I wouldn't know how to naturally grow an ass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I lost my butt during that whole entire situation because of my medical issues. And, you know, and quite frankly, I'm not going anywhere. So I'm not really, you know, (laughs) but in this journey, especially as someone who eats plant-based, what do you eat? to get it actually I should do a show just on this (laughs) um and the staple foods that I eat is quinoa actually quinoa is great for muscle building bottom building if you know what I mean by bottom building okay um those carbs people are like carbs oh my god no quinoa is healthy carbs they actually the body knows what to do with it and it doesn't store it as fat so quinoa absolutely right uh coconut avocados um what else uh, uh, uh hemp seeds um i'm missing something very very important but the point that i'm trying to make is oh um oh no a lot of people don't like bananas and potatoes yeah I'm not but anyways the like point bananas. that i'm yeah yeah I, I, st- I had to stop eating bananas i i'm you know i'm okay with bananas but the, it makes my stomach hurt for some reason but anyway um but i do love red potatoes and sweet potatoes yes absolutely Um, but the point that I'm trying to make is that there are natural ways to build a butt and people are going to these BBLs as solutions. And I'm like, all you have to do is just eat the right healthy carbs and healthy fats that target the butt area and do some squats, Mm -hmm. believe it or not, do some squats, you know? So, uh, I can do all of that. I did all of that in one month and I started growing a really healthy butt loop and that would have, that's the, and I did it for practically free. Just had to pay for the food and do the squats, uh, do some brisk walking, uphill, downhill, stuff like that. Um, meanwhile, that help that beats a hell of a, that, that's a hell of a lot more better than going to say a DR, Dominican Republic or something like that, wherever these uh, ladies are going to get their yeah. procedure. Then you have to fly home and recover for like a month and stuff like that. Meanwhile, I did it this way. And you and me probably got the same, got, got, I don't know. <laughs> Let me stop talking. <laughs> hey, I got some cakes now. <laughs> I'm just but, saying. Yeah. I, that, and you, you hear about the, the, the girls who go down there and they end up dying. Yeah. 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 You, it's, it's a whole, uh, to me, it's just a whole psychological thing. And I'm just like, sis, what, what were you like what made you want to get the BBL? Well, you know, I, I was, I just really wanted a butt. I'm like, but what in your mind made you think you weren't good enough? Mm. Yeah. Like, well, perfect time to start that healing journey and figure out where that, that voice is coming from. Right. That's why I keep telling people, no matter what you say, no matter what you do or how much you try to forget, it's always in your subconscious. What in your mind made you think that even if you have no ass, what made you think that you were not good enough? What made you think that you needed a butt in order to be complete or whole? 
you probably women are listening to this but like she crazy no yeah you're you're on to it. it it all comes from that voice that you don't know when it was first planted in there until you take time to reflect because that's not your voice like you are not your thoughts you are just the observer of your thoughts and until you take some time and just really reflect on the past what you've gone through like really important moments in your childhood growing up that have just really stuck with you for some reason like figure out why um and cuz we're we're all enough we are all we're all perfect the way we are and we're all a work in progress constantly getting better so yeah it's like that self-worth part is is a huge part of that um, that healing process mhm yeah <laughs> yeah i'm starting to get a little preachy up in here but i just you know i just want people in general not just women i just want people to assure themselves that they are good enough and actually mean it yeah and actually yeah. mean it and there are going to be moments and times where you're just like oh man I suck at this. But you know what? Dust yourself off and get right back into that whole No, 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 no. No. No, I you know what? I was down for a second. I mean, I cried for 5 minutes, but you know what? Let me go on ahead and try to figure out the solution. I'm going to rise above this. Yeah. Like, man, I don't have a I don't have a glue. Um, but you know what? I'm going to figure out natural ways to grow my butt. There are ways to do it. Yeah. You got to do it the healthy way, man. Got to do it the healthy way. Come on. For sure. And I think a lot of like one of the more important things I learned that helped me really get through like depression was mm-hmm. finding gratitude. Like mm-hmm. genuinely being grateful for everything you have. Like regardless like you don't have the butt you want. Like be grateful for the butt you have. <laughs> and but yeah. but once you are out of that mindset of lack of like thinking what you don't have and you look towards gratitude that puts you in an abundance mindset and then you're able to think of more things that you want think of things that you want to attract and um that was a huge shift for me personally great that that is great advice i hope y'all heard that <laughs> it's like find gratitude cuz sometimes i even find gratitude in the traumas that i experienced yes Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Just like when you have those breakthroughs. I call them breakthroughs. People call them um bringing out your traumas or whatever. I call them breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. When you have that breakthrough and you like emotionally, well, me. I emotionally shut down and then I get right back into what was it about that that triggered me so hardcore. And when you get through it, I'm like I'm glad I dealt with that. Yes. I appreciate it. Thank you universe or whoever you preach to. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I didn't know that that affected me. I'm grateful for that situation. Yep. So, awesome, awesome. So you recently just turned 30. Just turned 30. Mm-hmm. March, back in March. Welcome to the 30s club. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. It's been it's been good so far. Um mm-hmm. I felt like in my 20s I had a lot of experiences in my 20s that uh, 
I had to, to learn from. That's why I felt compelled to just put out things I learned. Um, yeah, the 30s, I'm excited for my 30s. Um, in my 20s, I was an athlete. I'm going into this, this decade uh, with no attachment to sports. And I'm getting ready to put out my first book. So shooting my my thirties, I am an author. Okay. So what what do you hope to accomplish in your thirties other than the book? Um, I would like to one help encourage um, athletes to find a way of how to like transition away from sports um, more effectively. How to yeah. address their own like mental well mental health. Um, and find new purpose and passion for what they want to do next. Um, I want to just encourage people to be the best version of themselves in however many different ways I can do that because I I firmly believe that you can do anything. Like I, in mm. college, I didn't have crazy prolific stats. I only had 14 career catches in college and I still made it to the NFL mm-hmm. so I believe that if you truly truly want to go after something you can always find a way there you can always figure it out as long as you're focused and you are paying attention to all the opportunities that are coming towards you you can achieve anything you want oh yeah 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 cause I was the last person expected to be on radio <laughs> And you're here? Yeah, here I am. Started from the bottom, now I'm here. When I tell you I was the last person expected to be on radio, I mean, that was nowhere near. Because I'm highly introverted. And very, very shy. But what really put me onto the radio was my voice. And the things that I have to say. Yeah. And then Steve saw something in me that I didn't really see in myself. I really started off as a podcast because I wanted to practice speaking in front of people because believe it or not, growing up, my biggest fear was being on stage. Mm. I had a legitimate, I don't know if they have some sort of a medical term for it, but I have a legitimate fear of being on stage. Like you couldn't pay me to get on stage. Wow. Mm-hmm. Have you, been legit- have you been on stage yet? No. <laughs> But you know what? I don't have that fear anymore. If anything, I'm excited for the opportunity. I'm probably going to be shaken. (laughs) But you know what? Um, The thing that I I really want to stress to people is do not let fear uh, stop you from reaching your highest potential. Yes. Like, because I feel like that is a huge part in what keeps people comfortable. Yeah. So I'm not going to let something like fear of being on stage stop me from, you know, sharing with people the effects of healthier eating and what it does to the mind and what it does to the soul. I'm not going to let that fear. I have something to say. Yeah. So I'm not going to (laughs) hide. So that, and so I started off as a podcast because I wanted to practice speaking, actually. So I, I didn't really start the podcast because I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to become really famous. And uh, 
you know, all that. Stuff. No, I just, I, the podcast was literally just practice. And then Steve said, this should be on radio. I said, it does. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, hey, come to the radio. And you know what? In the back of my mind, I wanted to say, hell no. Because I was scared. But I didn't want to chicken out. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I did it. And now here we are. So I actually let the fear of being, yeah. I, I let the fear of being called chicken overpower the fear of being on stage. Yep. <laughs> whatever, whatever motivation you need. But like those opportunities to like face your fear came from you taking that initial step towards wanting to improve. Mm-hmm. Like all you wanted to do was get better at speaking. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very confident that you will end up on stage telling that story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably one of my, because people, how do you get started? I was just like, because I was scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, wait a minute. How did, I'm like, no, I didn't want to be called chicken. Like, I, I didn't, I didn't want to be a whip, you know? Because where I grew up, you, you know, it was always a fear of being called, you know, oh, what, what are you scared or something? You know, it was always mm-hmm. that, that, that peer pressure, you know? Uh, same thing with, you know, going on the um, zipline. I actually wanted to share that story too. Uh, like we actually, uh, we was in Vegas and um, it was at the Fremont Street Experience. They have that little zipline or whatever it is. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And uh, my daughter and I said, oh man, that would be so cool, right? So I, you know, paid for it. This was before the pandemic, of course. Uh, paid for it. We get up there and we would looked at each other and we was like, this is a bad idea. <laughs> like this is a bad idea but we didn't want to be called chicken we don't want with the, I, I would have been way more i was been so embarrassed to go back all the way downstairs in front of all those people so yeah. we was like we can't back out now you know people are looking at us you know we we didn't want to be you know called a wuss or anything like that so we get on we looked at each other and we was just like say our last prayers <laughs> <laughs> And then the thing, they didn't say three, two. They didn't even do that. They just popped it off, Ooh. you know? And then when it popped off, we was like, oh my God. And then we we was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is this is fun. Hold on a second. What was we upset? What, what, what was we scared of? Now we're avid zip liners. We like to zip line everywhere we go. Wow, that's funny. <laughs> like we stood over here not living because of fear. So I, that's an that's an encouraging story because I will humbly say that I'm not a big fan of heights or zip lines. So that's why we thought it was a bad idea because we're not a fan of heights. You will never see me go in a hot air balloon. I don't care. You you can't get me to do. Oh, but it's a bit. Nope. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not doing it. That's a little too far out of my comfort zone. I'm not trying to be that uncomfortable. You know, I'm grown enough anyway. <laughs> Do you have any upcoming events or anything you would like to talk about or promote? I know you said something about your book. Do you have a podcast or anything? Uh, we have a podcast, me and a friend, Craig Casaletto. Uh, it's called The Next Season, where we talk about dealing with transition. Uh, mm. We've interviewed a bunch of athletes and entrepreneurs, and we just want to help people uh, play the game of change. Mm-hmm. And mm. uh, the book... Uh, working through the dark is coming out in 
mid-June. We do not have a set date yet, but it's coming okay. out June. Mm-hmm. All right. Go on ahead and share with everybody your social media, any websites that they need to go on ahead and check out. Yep, you can find me on Instagram at uh, Asante Cleveland, A-S-A-N-T-E, Cleveland, like the city. Um, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm getting my website built. So right now, Instagram is the best place to find me. Okay, okay. All right. Well, Asante, it was great having you on. Thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Charlie, thank you so much for having me on as well. Yeah. And you know what? I feel like we should have a, like, you should come on again because I feel like, yeah, you know, we should, mental health is something I am definitely highly passionate about because I dealt with depression most of my childhood. Um, You know, it, it, it really is a creepy disease. Um, yes. It's not technically a disease, but I call it a disease. Um, yeah, I it's man, I don't know what it would be classified as, but when you're going through it, there's nothing more real. Yo, and so you know, you sometimes you don't even know you're dealing with depression. It, yeah. Depression is in different forms. You like it, you can be, you know, like for an example, you know, what my daughter went through. That wasn't technically depression, but it could be a depression. Her type yeah. of depression is she just mentally checked out of life. Yeah. You know, so you you could just, it, it could just be in different forms. Everybody expects depression to be just be all feelings of sadness and hopelessness and, you know, all that stuff. No, you could just be eating yourself up. You could just be losing weight. I mean, there could, there's so many things. And I actually need to go on my website because I actually put that on my website, uh, mood disorders or... Uh, you know, they call it, they consider it a disorder. Yeah. It's not a disease. Right. Um, and I need to go into depth and I haven't been able to do that yet. So I, that's how passionate I am. So I, it would be great to actually have you on the show again. So we could talk about it like some other time. Yeah, for sure. Let me know. And we can set up again. I would be happy to come back on. Awesome. Awesome. And if you missed any of today's show, visit my new website. Let me tell you with ladyt.com where I post all my past shows. I really want to encourage people to visit my website because it's new and I do like feedback. Check it out and let me know what you think about it. It's still a work in progress. I still have some things that I want to add on it. So just be patient with all of that. Yes. So check it all out check out all of today's show there. As you all know, I'm on every Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Power 98.5 Satellite Radio. It's Let Me Tell You with Lady T. Until next time. Bye, y'all.